Hi, everybody. And this is the Happy Holidays edition of Entrepreneurial Impact. Hope you're all having an amazing holiday season. Dave Donaldson here with my associate, Joe Martin. And Joe, it's kind of, I don't know, it seems like yesterday we decided to go down this journey and say, hey, let's do a podcast. And it took us a little while to kind of stop shooting and just like, all right, let's plug in and go and see what this looks like. That was the April of 2023 when we launched the first episode, or uh, sorry, April of 2022. Here we are wrapping up the end of 2023. We had an episode every week, right? 52 this year they're going to drop. We had 37 last year. That puts us at 89 since we started. And we're already springboarding ahead into 2024 where we're going to cascade past 100 episodes, you know, sometime in February. Congratulations. I'm just going to say I'm over the moon with the consistency. That What I'm actually really like surprised by is the consistency of being able to do that because there's all kinds of excuses and reasons as to why we could cancel and not do it and not put out content for our listeners. And frankly, I'm surprised that people even want to listen to me. But um, because I, I, you know, you know, but I do have. A- I really did the tuning in to hear me, Joe, not you. I don't, don't take that the wrong way. Well, look, I mean, I, I was definitely against you doing videos of this because I've got a face for radio, and like just the fact that we're doing this. No, I'm in all seriousness. It's it's been an amazing journey. It's been great to have a platform and being able to get up that hill of getting the podcast rolling, figuring out what's our identity, what topics we want to bring. Because at the end of the day, this, this this platform, this podcast is really just providing value back to all of our networks and being able to say, hey, written word, great. Social media is great. Email is great. But like, how do we actually have a discussion that's probably long format that actually dives into stuff and share some of our experiences to hopefully help and pour into other people, but then also highlight some really awesome stories that are inspirational. I think that's been the coolest part about this podcast is like, it's not about us. It's about everybody else that listens in. So everybody that's listened in and followed us, like really appreciate your fellow, like followership, your engagement on this. And, you know, we're looking to great, create entrepreneurial impact to be even better in 2024, which is the content and guests that we have on here. So yeah, Dave, it's been awesome. You bring up some really great, but the, the consistency, like, I mean, look, Somebody, somebody here tore their bicep. Somebody else had some minor surgery to go through, yes. right? And that has been harsh. There are weeks and colds and sicknesses and holidays and travel and life. Who are we going to talk to? What are we going to say? And we always get through it. And I think we deliver. And I love how we've grown in doing it in our messaging, right? And I think about the when we first started, like we were like, hey, we're going to be 18 minutes. Well, neither you or I can do anything in 18 minutes. Okay. So it's become a pretty consistent 25 to 30 minute journey each week, which is, which is fine. As long as we're delivering the value so for everybody at home, I hope you know that you've been tuning and not dropping off at 18 minutes, but I love the people we've had on. I look back at all the stories and the journeys and how many, you know, agents, owners, leadership, like entrepreneurs in general, like it hasn't always been Agents, sorry, business owners, they're in and out of the field. We've had lenders, title companies. We've had brewers, right? We've had somebody that went into the Ukraine in an ambulance to smuggle supplies. Like we've told some amazing things and us, yes, our agents themselves and their journey and their stories. And that's just what keeps me coming back each week. And I think it really does land the plane and really bring back to the purpose of like, what was the purpose of this podcast? And it was really to truly showcase entrepreneurs, right? And when you think about the, the purpose of this podcast was that entrepreneurship has a huge impact inside of the U.S. Because typically 
your entrepreneurs are your local community, right? They typically see a gap in service or value or something like that. And they're, they're swift. They're not a corporate company. It's got to like say, hey, can we do this? This is in the budget. It's strategic, blah, blah, blah. You have people that are locally in the market, in that community that see a gap in service that want to help their fellow, you know, their fellow community members. They go out, move fast. They put their capital behind it and they have a passion for what they can build. And through that journey, that journey is not always easy. Actually, it's never easy. It always seems easy when you say, here's my idea. And then you start doing it. It's very, very tough. But these people have so much passion about what they do, who they are, and how they're servicing their customer base and the communities that they serve. These stories have been amazing to me, and I've learned so much about the entrepreneurial impact that is in the like the, the ethos of the U, like the United States, right? Just the amount of good that people are doing. Like I, I think of the episode we did with Dr. Tran and then his journey. Like you want to talk about, and like guys, if you're listening, you haven't listened to the the episode with Dr. Tran. It, it's a longer one, but I will tell you, his journey, his inspiration, and his payback, and because he recognizes where he come from and the hardships that he overcame to be successful and how he pays it back, made me question some of the things that I do. Yeah, uh, anybody like that was inspirational, and his mindset is not one of like like his mindset is the probably the best part about that podcast because there's not one victim language out of him. What was me? So what? Like that man is driven and that, that, yes, it was highly impactful to listen to his journey coming from Vietnam. Um, I felt like we could have talked to him for two hours. Like that was just such an amazing, comfortable and just sat back. I don't even think we asked a lot of questions that day. I literally think we just sat back and listened, right? Which was fine. All right, so let's dive into this. So you and I have got a real estate background. Yeah, we got the small business stuff. But I think it's going to be a real fun discussion about 2023. And you know what I think is real fun about it? Here it is. The fun part is I think we you have to laugh about how the craziness of 2023 is because if you don't laugh about it and realize that you've got no control over it, you just have to deal with the repercussions of what was 2023. There's no better place to put your mental status in than have some humor with it because if you take it seriously – you're going to be in a dark place. So let's kick off with the fact that 2023 saw interest rates go from the low of like sub 3% to over 7.5. So let's just start there. That one's the probably the first one we want to talk about in 2023 of things that we don't want to see in 2024. What? Did that happen? Did that really affect anything? Interest well, rates up 7%? Did that, was that a thing or I, I thought it maybe I just dreamt it? Well, let's just bring this one up. So it was the fastest rate increases that our country has ever seen. And when you talk about 10 months, uh, probably nine, it had the fastest rate increases that the Fed's ever done. And they've never seen interest rates go at that percentage year, like month over month increases. So like that's number one. If you're wondering why 2023 kind of sucked for real estate, that's number one. Yeah. I mean, number two is still what, drove a lot of it to begin with was the lack of inventory, right? And if you want to talk about applying pressure to an already lack of inventory market, let's jack, let's go two different things. Let's have them all the way down to two and a half percent where everybody either bought or refinanced. And then let's jack it through the roof and see what that does to low inventory levels. Well, exactly. So that, so you get, you get it. The, the second thing was, is that you basically jacked. So number one, you jack up with the interest rates, which, hey, listen, I think that's what Jerome Powell had to do. I completely yeah, agree yeah. that those things had to go. You had to slow the economy and you had to get like, you had to, you had to rein that one in so that if there is a challenge down the road, there's some leverage that he can use to like ease a recession. So 100% agree that the interest rates had to go up. 
Should it have gone down to 2.5? Probably not. But hey, the, the last time they dealt with a pandemic was over 100 years ago. So hey, you can't judge. You know, you, it's really great to be a Monday morning quarterback saying they shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, well, you, you, hindsight's 2020. So, but no, I, I truly believe they wanted to get back to five probably a couple of years ago, uh, pre pandemic, right? Post, post recession, they wanted to nestle in. Like it's, it sat at that four and three range for way longer than I ever anticipated. I expected to get back up to five. When it did the two and a half and then everything went haywire that way, that was just crazy. Well, that goes back to 2019 when they dropped interest rate, the Fed interest rate. So they were actually trying to climb it up and then they dropped it in 2019 just because they wanted to, they were concerned about the economy. But like, hey, it is what it is. Can't go back. Uh, number, but the, the challenge was is then on the coattails that like you brought up for number two was that. Okay, so now you already had a lack of inventory in most of the more densely populated areas. And now you've got people locked in at 2.5. So you already have inventory issues in general when there's a, you know, 2.5 to 3.5. So let's do this. Let's have people locked in at 2.5 and then jack the interest rates up, up to 7 to 8, right, in that range if you're doing commercial and investments. But so now you're looking at the normal transaction of people saying, mm, I'll downgrade or I'll upgrade or whatever. Those people are off the market because they're like, I'm not going from two and a half, three percent to a seven and a half interest rate. I'm not doing that. So the normal people that would say, yeah, I'm willing to leave in five years or three years or whatever. All of that market transaction that would normally come in because the interest rates are nominal from what you have now to what you would be in. No one's doing that. So you got even less inventory coming to market because people are like, I don't want to go into a house where I'm paying seven and a half percent. And truthfully, maybe it doesn't make a huge difference in their monthly payment. But the the, the idea of going from 2.5 to 7.5 and seeing 500 basis points increase, people just won't do that like emotionally. They're just not going to get behind that. There's a struggle in real estate to go on because it changed. Now, rip your meters, again, rip your mirror. It's It's been a year, right? It's 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 been a year. People still have those things, but it's been a year. So people... Have continued to spy, but we're going to see what four million units for two this year. People are still buying houses. That's not going to stop. There's pent up demand. That's not going to change, right? We're luckily here in this area, you know, Virginia is a high demand area with low inventory. So the rates, being what they are, did struggle impact business. However, it's not going to yeah. all of a sudden burst a bubble. Right. That bubble's not bursting. I saw somebody talk uh, recently, a couple of interesting things in, in the last week. I saw the, the chief economist from Brightspeak, right, does our local MLS, right? And she said, hey, here's a couple of things are going to happen, right? So if you're thinking the bubble's going to burst, it's not. What is going to change is the dramatic appreciation we had. That was like 8 to 10% year over year, a couple of times, right? So imagine you only get 1% to 3%. Is that a bubble burst? No, that's normality, right? Two. Prepare for a weirdly crazy January. Now, look, I think we've had some weirdly crazy Januaries already because spring had come early the last couple of years. Yeah. So we're interested to see what the weather impacts things, right? Um, although my first listing I ever sold here was in a weather storm of in January. <laughs> so things happen. But I think we're going to get off the ground quickly because we've always seen also now rates have started to come down a bit, right? They're talking about rates coming down six times in 2024. So that's going to change. Can I bust that? Can I bust that? What you're talking about? Can I bust that? All right. So I would be very like I was talking to my wife about this two two nights ago, right? And we, yeah. we live in this wonderful. And this is totally off. Like we'll get back on the real estate train, but this is somebody started a meme or an image that all realtors have started sharing that Jerome Powell 
gave direction that there would be six rate cuts in 2024. If you go look at the Fed, there is no there is no language about that. There is nothing from Jerome Powell that talks about six rate cuts. So if we're going to debunk misinformation, he has never come out in any of his his language to talk about six rate cuts in 2024. So if our pod, I'm so glad you brought this one up because I was passionate about this. That okay. I saw a real estate agent post. I saw multiple real estate agents post this, and they it is untrue. There is no direction from Fed Powell saying that there will be six rate cuts in 2024. His only direction is that he is not he is opening the door for increases, but he doesn't believe that there will be. So there is nothing around that. So whoever, when you see that, please take that out with like visceral hatred because I can't stand when I see agents put that out there because then it spins and spins and their client. It's not true. It's everywhere. I know. Like it's, it's I appreciate you kind of jumping up and down on it because it's not like what is it that's on the internet has to be true. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. He did never it's do that. Forbes. It's on Wall Street. It's everywhere. So if you look at Fed Powell, go look for anything that's come from the, the Fed. He's not right. he's never given any direction about. And that's what kills me. Um, but anyway, but but you know, if you were to not being a financial economist, I'd say you're probably looking at May might be the first like rate um, cut by the Fed. So let, let, bring it back into real estate. So let's let's go into NAR. So before we get into lawsuits, let's just talk about NAR's typical. <laughs> so I think number three in 2023 is we saw a bunch of uh, to be desired leadership. I would probably say is the best way to go about it because I don't like damaging anybody. But I think what we saw in 2023 was like NAR is going to step their game up. They got to step their game up for their members and say it's more than just putting on a show. And there needs to be true leadership at the helm of NAR. It is the largest trade association in the U.S. And they're lobbying on behalf of real estate, right, per private real estate rights. And I think it's huge that we need these things. And they got they, their leadership at the helm showed lack of, I call it integrity, call it of whatever you want to call it, but like they got they they got blown up for act antics and stuff they shouldn't be doing. And I think it's been good. I think it's actually good for 2023 that all this stuff came to light and they could recore all the leadership in NAR. How do you think they rebound? If you know how it is. People kind of groundswell. I'm leaving NAR. I'm getting out of NAR. We've we seen brokerages come out and say, hey, we're getting out of NAR. We have agents saying, I got to get out of NAR. Why do I pay them, right? How do they recover? It's a good question. I think will to be determined, but I think the first thing you got to do, I believe in organizations is you want to change an organization, you got to change the people. So, you know, NAR has had a good run. I think they've done a lot of great things with just local boards and contracts. So, you know, NAR, like you hear this, oh, what, what do they do for me? What do they do for me? There's a lot of stuff that they do that you don't know about, right? And part that's partly their job, right? So I think that we got to give some grace on that, but I do believe that the shakeup of NAR from the leadership is actually really, really important so that you get new leaders in there with new agendas and think, because they're now, because they got shooken up and we haven't gotten a lawsuit yet, the leadership that's now at the helm of NAR knows that the spotlight's on them, so they got to actually make change. They actually got to do something. So while I think 2023 was like, okay, at least we get that shooken up and get cleared house and all that kind of jazz, at least now you've got new people in there that have pressure on them to perform. And I think in any organization, there's always challenges with unions and trade organizations, all that. It's like, do they actually have efficiencies? Do they actually get held accountable? And I think right now you're seeing that they're going to be held accountable to a different level of expectation, which I think is great, right? Um, 
So, I agree. And you touched on important things. And that what I was saying, like that grand swell of negativity for a lot of people. And I think people need to do their homework and have a true understanding of the value of having or, or lack of having somebody like NAR be our lobbyist when things are going well. And, and like anything else, if you're not happy, you have to speak up and participate. Show up, you know. So I think like one of those things is that like I say all this about NAR, but I'm also, you know, in our local board is NVAR. I'm participating in that in public policy and also leadership. So like those of you listening, highly encourage you that like don't be the person on the sideline criticizing, be the person in the field criticizing. So go make the change, go actually engage with it and be, if you're gonna have complaints, go be the person that's actually gonna drive the change, right? Um, so let's go to lawsuit. So why don't you take that one? So let's go to number four in 2023, we've got lawsuits. Was there a lawsuit this year? Did I miss something? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Look, there's a lot of money to be made in real estate. Let's, let's be brutally honest, there's a lot of money on the table. And we've talked about disruption for some time about venture capital technology coming in. Now, the lawyers want a piece, right? There was that lawsuit that took place, and now they're all over the place. Copycat lawsuits all over. Guys, we have, we have to do our jobs. We've gotten complacent, and I, I want to take ownership. I think a lot of the agencies need to take ownership on how we do and what we do and how we communicate what we do, right? When we don't – when we want to come up to snuff, when we don't – carried the torch the right way. We, we talked to, uh, we have a conversation with, with one of our total partners and we were saying like, I think the barrier of entry and education is too low for real estate. And part of that is membership induced to organizations like NAR. Right? I think we have to look at ourselves internally, but we have to hold ourselves higher, right? We will continuously be eyes on us for the foreseeable future. This, the lawsuit, yes, the big companies have found to be in cahoots, which I find very interesting because everybody signs a contract and theoretically everybody everybody reads. The question is, have we done our due diligence in actually delivering on the promise of what we do? And I think more times than not, yes, but not always. What, what, Two, but do you actually go through these things with the consumers so they clearly understand what you're doing for them and how things are done? Because, Dave, you're making a brilliant point, is that, like, commissions have always been negotiable. They've always been. They've yeah. always been. And I think you're hitting the, the, the nail on the head there is that, like, are us as facilitators of a real estate transaction that are realtors and licensed agents, right, we, had a, we have an obligation to bring transparency and be an advocate for our clients, right? And I think everything that came out of this lawsuit is – some of it might be trivial, some might be jacked up, whatever interpretation you have. Some of it, I think, is actually that they had, they didn't actually educate the whole process of like what goes on in transaction. That's our fault though. If we couldn't educate and explain, we made it too difficult. And I think the big win, or the, not the big win, but the eye opener in 2023 around this lawsuits is that what we thought was transparent or was explained is obviously not transparent and easily digestible by our customers and clients. That's what you're seeing, right? At least in the Missouri case. And that will be litigated and challenged and all kinds of jazz. But I think when you look at 2023 in these lawsuits, what does it tell you? One, it tells you that there's a lack of transparency in us as 1.5, you know, now sub 1.6 million realtors, like they weren't being clear. They weren't being clear about it. And it's sad, but a few bad apples ruin it for everybody. But going to your point now, it's going to probably weed out some of that, 
right? So, so be it, right? The people that are buyer reps are going to be a little bit more challenged and the listing agents about co cooperative compensation is going to change. So, you know, but in my world, when you look at business, business is always evolving. We're always evolving. So the idea that our industry was always going to be this way for time immemorial is a joke. So like at some point, disintermediation happens. And the question is at 2023, what did we learn from the lawsuit? What do we apply into the future so that we can actually be the leading edge in the change as opposed to riding the wave? That's the most important thing. What did we learn and what actions are we going to take both? We got not both thrice agents, brokerage, region, organization, and NAR, right? How do we move forward? Look, the settlement, the, 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 the guilty verdict, those things are going to take years. Yep. But we do need to act now. Look, it's already, it'll surface again. As I, it's actually already started to die down, but we can't let it die down in how we run our businesses. Well, going on that point is that let's, let's, take a medium pause. Cause like our, our focus today on this episode was really to do some highlights and some fun at the beginning, talk about 2023, kind of talk about right now and then look at 2024. So right now I think it's a good time to like transition to like today. Right? So if you think about what you just brought up on today about what you got to do and blah, 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 let's be really clear in our real estate, like industry, we move at a very, very fast pace, 30, 40 in our market, 30 to 45 day close. It's, it's weird if you get the 90, right? So yeah. everything moves fast here, right? Like you got some people trying to get 14 day closes, which you can do, right? But my point is, is that, but when you bring in the legal side and remember, these are not DO, they're not DOJ level, like federal cases. These are state cases. So that's why you're seeing Missouri, then you've got Illinois, and then you've got Florida, you got South Carolina, I think Georgia's got one right now. So it's going to go to every state. So let's just be clear. So it's just going to don't make noise in the newsletters or like the newspapers. But what you're bringing up, Dave, is that right now, there still needs to be a professional helping clients of home sellers, either selling or buying, navigate through a very complex process, right? Which is... How do you market it? How do you list it right? How do you stage it right? How do you get the highest price point with the lowest amount of time for the seller? And how do you get the best home for the buyer inside of their financial wherewithal at the lowest price that they can, either whether that's monthly payment or you know all costs up front? Like you still need a facilitator of that. Most people still need a human being, right? So let's be clear on that. But what's going to desire is are you a are you a true professional in your craft? Do you have the best mortgage partners? Do you have the best title partners? Best inspectors? Base you know. Do you know what you're doing to negotiate these deals? So you're still going to need a, a professional. You're still going to need to be a better tradesperson, like in the skill. And the final one is actually like, how do you lead generate? The past five years have been lead receiving of like, hey, catch me, catch me, catch me, and just service me. You now have to lead generate and you have to be part of someone's lifestyle. And what I mean by that is that at seven and a half, well, now we're sub 7% interest rates now. Um, you have to be lifestyle relatable, meaning that people are going to buy and sell based on life events. So you need to be there for diamonds, diapers, divorce, deployment, and death. So if you're, you need to be front of mind, top. You did that good. I always forget that. I always forget diapers. Good yeah. Job. So like, so if you think about it there, now, people, because of interest rates aren't moving because they want to, they're moving because they have to, a life event happened. So you need to be skilled 
the best part, like facilitator of transactions and being tied to your people as the real estate wherewithal for when any of those five lifestyle things happen. If you're around people like that because you're communicating from email, text messages, parties, uh, phone calls, voicemail drops, campaigns, whatever you're doing to stay top of mind so that they know when one of those life event happens, you're the person that's going to help them through that to get them the highest price on their house in the shortest amount of time or get them the best deal as the buyer. And I think that's really important is that the way the real estate transaction is happening right now has not actually changed. And we're probably looking at like three to five years going through lawsuits and courts and all that for any huge change to happen in our industry. And that's the reality. I agree. Now, so the big focus for next year is just do your job, focus on your job, communicate your job and deliver on the value proposition of your job in 2024. In 2024, yes. And I think here's some like inspirational, whatever you want to call it, like mindset things as you go into 2024. There's two things that I think, um, there's one quote that I love that I, I have it in my phone, so I'm going to read it. It's there every day and I will at some point memorize this, but this quote, um, is you must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts about your current reality, whatever that may be. So when I look at that thing is that I, you need to, your independent contractors, your own, your own boss, you got to bet on yourself that no matter what this looks like in front of me right now, that looks like chaos and things I can't control and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, what was me? You have to have faith that realize I can't control any of that, but I'm going to bet on myself. I'm not going to be the average. I'm going to be above average because it's me. So I need to have faith in myself that I'm going to win and I'm going to prevail in the long run, no matter how tumultuous this current, like if I got sharks and blood in the water, okay, that's my reality. I'm going to have faith in myself that I'm going to find a boat or a raft or I'm going to get a spear and I'm going to take out these sharks, right? But So I think that's number one, have faith in yourself that this too shall pass. We have markets to go up and down. The second one is courage. And I say this is that in 2024, it's the courageous that will get up every day when everybody else says, why are you getting up? The courageous are not going to have excuses. The courageous aren't going to focus on what they can't control. The courageous are going to do what people say they can't do. So every day that you get up, you're being courageous because everybody else says it can't be done. Or why are you doing that? Or this is a terrible market or whatever those things are. The discouraged are the ones that never get off the couch. And I think if you have a faith in yourself and know that you can make this work and that there will be very few people that will actually want to put in the work and you have the courage to do it, I think that's the thing about 2024 that will actually have success. Look, we're going to see a lot of change in business too. We're going to see a lot of people. And look, this is unfortunate. I'm going to be honest with it. A necessary change, which is what happens anytime there's ebbs and flows in the real estate industry market, which we have seen. It's going to be a lot of people that get out of the business, right? And I think people, I think they need to look at themselves. If you're getting out, get out for the right reasons. If you're getting in, get in for the right reasons. But if you are considering getting out, have a conversation with somebody about getting out because maybe there's a different place for you within the business too. If you were, if you were truly passionate about making a business for yourself, if it was just a side hustle and a hobby, and you're not re renewing your dues. Okay. I get it. Get out. We'll see you at the next time. Things get good. Right. But for those that are in the business and say, Hey, I'm just struggling to make a career. There's a lot of opportunity there that you can get help with. And I encourage those people to have conversations with the right people that while the market and the industry is going to change and continue to change, 
doesn't mean you necessarily have to get out. So I hear crazy numbers of people getting out of the industry. I do want people to stop and pause and look at it. Is it truly them? Is it for them? And have conversations with those that matter. And on that note, here's also perspective. You're not selling handbags. You're, you're brokering homeownership. Yep. No matter what you think about in our, in our industry, so when you're thinking about, oh, it's this, it's that, it's that, whatever it may be about, oh, it's a down market, all the things you just brought up, Dan. But remember, we're in the business of homeownership, which is actually connection to community. It's a place, it's security, it's wealth creation, it's life. It's a sense of connection. It's a, self, it's a sense of self-worth. Like this isn't just, I don't know, my soda water can and, oh, wow, people, you know, it's, it's not my phone. It's, it's it literally, it's not the business card that's over here. Like you're literally brokering and helping facilitate the sale of a, a, a fundamental need of humans. And I think when you bring it down to that level of like simplicity, you realize there's always going to be a demand for it. There's going to be somebody that gets divorced. There's going to be somebody that dies. There's going to be somebody that has a kid. There's going to be somebody that gets deployed, especially in our area, right? There's going to be somebody that gets like engaged. Like, so when you think about these life events, it's just that when you think about when you and I are having this conversation, 2024, besides the courage and the faith that you will survive, like it's also saying redefine tough. The only reason something is tough is because your expectations don't meet reality. So when you think that I'm going to get a signed listing or I'm going to get a listing lead with somebody ready to sell on my first call, but in reality, it's going to take you 10 phone calls to get that seller. So you have to change your expectation of reality in the current market and the people that are willing to say, you know what? I'm going to make 10 phone calls now to get my one listing lead. Those are the people that are going to do it because they realize that our industry is that. So from a positive note, as well uplifting, if you going back to something you said earlier, Dave, in the podcast was if you're desiring a higher bar of entry for the like the, the, the facilitators of the transaction, if you're in that boat, you will see a higher bar of skilled craftsmen in real estate. The next one, if you want a better NAR, you're going to get a better NAR because they're changing the whole people out and they've got a flashlight on it. So I see big things coming out of NAR for what they do for their constituents and the value that they bring to home ownership inside of you know having their be an actual realtor. The next one, if you're tired of, I think it's actually a better one. If you're tired of competing with a bunch of under-trained people that do it as a hobby, you're going to see less of that because you actually just brought up the fact that there's going to be a lot, a loss of NAR membership. You're not going to see the untrained hobby people that are like, what's a contract? What do you mean I missed a deadline? Like you're not going to have to deal with that. So actually I think the home ownership process of selling and buying is actually going to be better in 2024 for the consumer. Because and we've got to mean that, and that, and with the barrier of entry, that has to be maintained, right? Yeah. Really, yep. like, the perfect time to look at that and go, look, we're getting a bunch of people out that are hobbyists. Let's keep them out. Correct. Right? Because that's my point there. Let's embrace it. Now, I say that. Now, I've got a friend of mine getting involved, and in, she just took a job with NAR, so I'm going to kind of put the pressure on her to make sure those change happen. But at the same time, I'm looking at myself in the mirror going, well, Dave, I'm spouting these things off. What am I going to do about it? So I'm going to have to look at that too. And I think 100% on that. And I think those are the things that like, if you look at, I think it's all on how you look at it. So in 2023, if you look out, it's the whole idea of your, what you focus on expands. 
if you're looking for a bunch of problems, you're going to find a bunch of problems. If you're looking for opportunity, you're going to find a bunch of opportunity. And I think that's what it is in 2024. You've got an, a step up of the, the, the agents that will be there. I think it's going to be less transactions, but you're going to have less competition for it. And the skilled craftsmen and women are going to be the ones that take more market share. And we know that when you take more market share in a down uh, economy or a down market, you're going to come out with way more market share than when you went into it. And I think these are the positive pieces. And once again, let's, let's go back to why we do what we do as far as real estate consultants and realtors and whatever you want to call yourself. You're there for the consumer. You're there to help somebody in the first time home buying or the first time selling or whatever that may be. You actually as a realtor or a real estate agent, you might not know this, but you signed up to be a shrink. That's what you signed up for, right? Lows and all that. So I want to leave this with, at least from my points and let Dave wrap up is like, remember your consumer is what matters. Their experience, their home, what they've got to go through. Remember to put your consumer first and what's best for them, what's the experience, all those different things. But if you put the consumer first in 2024, what you're seeing is all the fallout in 2023 was the consumer wasn't put first. You put the consumer first and you figure out what's best for the consumer, you're going to get referrals, you're going to get a reputation, you're going to get all the business you need because there's not going to be that many people like you that are actually thinking about what the needs of the consumer are. And in doing so, will define the success of your business in the next 10 years. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and for me, it's just, I'll just, I'll just wrap it up with demand more, be better. And have an amazing 2024. And keep tuning in to Entrepreneurial Impact because we love having you here. We do. And with that, for all of you, enjoy the holidays, enjoy time with friends and family, and then have a great new year as we read it in. And let's go crush 2024.